Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Previously on A New Winter. I hadn't even been there for 10 minutes and I've been caught already. Just then, I could hear a door open, and at that moment, I knew I was going to be in for a fate worse than death. This is episode 12 of A New Winter. screaming and shouting, the gag in my mouth making me sound muffled. I pulled at the constraints as hard as I could, like my life depended on it, but I just couldn't move. I began panicking. I could feel myself getting lightheaded as my heart raced. I couldn't breathe properly with the gag in my mouth. I felt like I was about to pass out until the footsteps passed in front of me. My blindfold was lifted, and there, standing in front of me, was Inspector Dubridge. He put a finger against his mouth, telling me to be quiet, and took off my gag. Thank you, I said. I could have cried at that moment. Shh, let's get you out of here, he said, and took off the constraints. I stood up and almost fell over. The room was spinning. Dubridge caught me and opened my eyelids, staring into me. You've been drugged, he said. Can you at least walk? Just then, I threw up, and I couldn't stop. The splash against the cold concrete floor made Dubridge wince, worried, I guess, about the sound. I had that post-vomit euphoria that you get, as if I just cleansed myself from this evil this place had put inside of me. Ugh, I feel better now, I said, and stood up straight. Get dressed, Dubridge said, and threw me my clothes. As I dressed, I realised I didn't have the gun. How much time had even passed? Did Nicola call the police? Well, that was unlikely. Look, I I had a gun, I told Dubridge, not really thinking about if it would get me in trouble or not. You could say goodbye to that, he said. They would have kept hold of something like that. Damn it, I thought. We need to get out of here, Dubridge said. 
and made his way to the door. Follow me. As we walked out into the bright red corridor, I could see that I was just another mouse trapped in this underground maze of rooms. I could hear, ever so faintly, that jazz record from earlier. The idea that Mr. Tooley was still here, still so near me, chilled me to the bone. I didn't want to picture that grotesque scene I'd witnessed just earlier. I want to bury it into my darkest nightmares. I followed Dubridge as we sculpted the corridors. There, said Dubridge, and pointed to a door at the very opposite end of the corridor. Slowly, he said. Don't make a sound, he whispered into my ear, and I nodded. There was no way I was going to get caught again. I doubt I'd be so lucky next time. As we took slow steps down the corridor, I became aware of a slow humming. What was that? I couldn't quite place it, and then I realised it was a group of people chanting or something, humming and chanting. It filled me with dread. I could feel my heart thumping through my chest, and Dubridge must have heard it too. He stopped for a slight moment, as if in trepidation, and then continued forward. We're about halfway down the corridor now, and the chants were getting louder. I was trembling, sweating. I just wanted to sprint out the door and just take my chances. I couldn't take those sounds anymore. They were driving me insane. We're about two-thirds of the way down when behind us a door opened and a man came out, bloated, naked. He had a mask covering the top of his face, as if half a skull but made of strands of wheat and corn, a headdress of sorts, like a peacock tail, but as if made of straw. Dubridge put a hand on me. Keep still. But I was frozen stiff anyway. The fat man went to turn away, and then, as if feeling something in the air, turned round and stared straight at us. Neither of us moved, nor the man. He looked at us and cocked his head slightly, as if trying to figure us out, before opening his mouth and letting out a god-awful guttural scream. Its volume just hurt my ears. It was as if a siren had gone off. Just then the chanting stopped, and the guttural screams were returned from deep within this maze of corridors. We have to go. Make a run for it now. Dubridge shoved me towards the door at the end. I made a run and turned back to see the fat man chase us. Dubridge pulled out a gun and shouted, Stop or I'll shoot! But the fat man continued running at him. Dubridge shot him in the leg, and then the screams from below turned into a high-pitched, animalistic cry. As we ran for the door, we were surprised by another door flying open on the left and in the right, people running through them towards us trying to grab us. I heard Dubridge shoot them as they fell, and I turned around to see, in the red darkness, a massive bodies scrambling towards us, all naked, yet all masked, and inhuman screams filling the air. Men, women, old, young, they were indistinguishable with their masks. It was as if they'd all become possessed. Dubridge was popping off shots, which was now of little use. We threw open the door and fell out. Dubridge quickly got up and slammed the door shut pushing his weight up against it, but there was no struggle. There was no one inside pushing against the door. In fact, it was completely silent. We looked at each other confused, and then I realised where I was. This wasn't the way I'd come in, this was different. I was in a basement area, with stairs in front of us, leading up to another door. I ran up and opened it to see a family eating at a dinner table, it was sunny, and everyone was happy and chatting. And there I saw me as a little boy, laughing with my mother. 
bright smile beaming across my face. What are you doing? I heard Dubridge say. I suddenly realised I'd been daydreaming. I saw... I saw something. I began. Ugh, it's the drugs. They're still affecting you. It should wear off any minute. You're hallucinating. Don't worry, he said. What was happening? How much had I hallucinated? What even happened? What I did see around me, though, was a family home. It was as if walking into any other dining room. It was quaint. Lived in. Come on, let's go, Dubridge said. I need to call this in. We walked outside into the morning. The sun was bright, crisp, and the sky clear. The house was normal. A nice flower bed in the front garden, quiet, residential street, and not that weird, isolated country house I'd seen with Nicola, where I went in the other way. The used entrance, or whatever it was. Had that all been real? I mean, it felt real. Dubridge was on the phone. He was walking around, speaking quietly and looking up at the house. All I could hear were the birds tweeting, signalling a new day. And all I wanted to do was just go home. As if he could read my mind, Dubridge turned to me and said that I should go. The police will be here any minute, and he didn't want me to get caught up in it. I wasn't going to argue with that, so weaponless but seemingly with my wallet intact, I wandered home. I wondered if I should try and find Nicola and explain what had happened, tell her about the gun, just apologise to her. But I didn't want to go back near to that place. I just wanted to go home. As I walked through the front door, my mum immediately ran up to me. Where have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, look, believe me, you don't want to know. I do want to know. I want you to tell me right now. Why? Why are you being like this? What's happened? I asked. And then she started crying. Where were you? Where have you been all night? Then, from behind her, I could see the news on the TV. A body had been found. Another one. It was the girl who had gone missing at the same time as Jackie. She was dead. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more info, including how you can support the show, please visit anewwinter.com. Thank you for listening to A New Winter.